Howdy, folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Millison IV. On today's episode, we're chatting with Jeremiah Jr. of Electric Gremlin and Year of the Dragon, also formerly of Fishbone. We're talking about Fishbone, gaming, and other topics. We take a street level in this episode, so if you're offended by language, okay. How's it looking in California? Well, you know, for me personally, California weather-wise is great. It's, you know, the, the weather is... uh sunny and you know usually like a heat wave but states on fire <laughs> you know that part is pretty crazy there's uprisings everywhere not everywhere but you know downtown LA where the action is and um but other than that though in terms of like life life is good out here on the west I think the people who you know I love musically who like do all the things that I love to hear and see are dedicated to, you know, getting back out there and performing. And like, that's a blessing. It's just the, the thing for me though, is just like that part is also very concerning because, you know, I got kids there, you know, immunocompromised because I have asthma and like the rest of my family is genetically disposed to those type of things. So I've been taking extreme precautions, not extreme precautions, but like, you know, being very diligent about like being tested, not trying to be an asymptomatic spreader, but California in general, like me being here, I, I, I don't want to leave. It is high price living out here, but I would not want to necessarily live anywhere else. Understood. Yeah. And I can't even be aware, actually, of that. You can't go, like, raw dog and gigs, gigs out here nowadays, especially with all this shit going around. <laughs> I mean, shit. I mean, it's, to, put it, to put it eloquently, you know, you can't be doing that now. It's like, I mean, back in my day, like, when it was kind of weird, like, it was weird. Even as a fan, I'll go to a gig, right? And um, I'll go to a gig in D.C., right? I'll always get sick as a dog. I'll get sicker to my sense of humor, right? Mm-hmm. And I would just be like, okay. I remember the first time my tonsils swole up. I, they looked like golf balls. Like, seriously, yeah. Tiger Woods would, would look at my mouth and like, get envious. That yeah. sounded better in my head when I said it out loud. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, in this case right now, like a lot of bands right now, they're doing different things. Nothing splits, though, so to speak. It's just kind of like you have to adapt to... The new normal, I guess, this new world right now, you know. Right. So it's Bad like, part. ergo, I'm going. I want. I'm want to do this podcasting thing anyway. So why the hell not? To know some cool motherfucking people, i.e., you. So why not? You know that part. I really, I really dig people doing it because, like, as much as I would want to do it, I feel like all the the topics that I feel like I would kind of want to cover are being covered by another one. <laughs> so. Like, unless I was collaborating with somebody on something, you know what I mean? I wouldn't want to do it myself. Like, I got a cousin. He is a rapper, actor. Uh, I mean, he's even been, you know, part of, like, an amateur wrestler, even. And, and now he's writing, and, like, he's he's doing, like, amazing interviews in his podcast. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, that's wild. You know, like, I see that, and I'm just like, damn, I'm happy to see my... My family get the glow up, but it's just like, damn, I can't have an idea that isn't already been done. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, all right, well, back to the drum board. Got to come up with something, you know, more unique, more original that, like, I would enjoy doing, you know? And, like, for, I feel that. But go ahead, bro. Remember what Elvis Costello said? There's no such thing as original sin. Mm-hmm. You know, so I put it this way. When it comes to it, like, to me, this is basically the result of me binging Howard Stern and Nardwar. Ah, <laughs> oh, bro, I love Nardwar. Like, I love his interview style. I love his ambush tactics. I love how dedicated he is to asking, you know, like, well-researched and versed, you know, interview questions. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, love that. Like, I used to really dig Howard Stern for a while. You know what I mean? I still, you know, love kind of, like, his general content. It's just, damn, the move to XM just is like, nope, I, I ain't fucking with that. 
it did kind of take away this thing. Like, <laughs> the whole point about it was, it's like you're on a tightrope, right? It's no fun if there's a net underneath it. Yeah, when you, you know, you could just do whatever and say whatever without any real kind of like consequence. I mean, like this, this is coming from a guy who like in college hosted a on on air college radio show. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. but that that whole type of vibe. They're all like, all right, well, make sure you try not to swear, even though like we're not under the thumb of the FCC. We hold, you know have to hold ourselves to some kind of standard. Yeah, and I'm just like. All right, that 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 makes it for you know more interesting, uh, you know, ability to work with stuff. Cause like, I, I think I think about like South Park, right? They did that shit episode where like yes. they, they said the shit word what two hundred times. They did. It like, it, I lost it all lost its its power after that, and I was just like, that's dumb. You know what I mean? But like, looking at how they still were making the show in one week increments, and then like having to deal with the the FCC, and then like, nope, you can't say that. And then like, that just kind of makes it. I don't know. In your head, it's like you fill in that blank. You know that bleep that bleeped out word or whatever. And like, the the thought of it being taboo is 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 more more valuable. You know. Come to think about it, it does like, like okay, for example, the shock rock thing, right? Okay, right. Screaming Jay Hawkins, then Screaming Lord Such, then Arthur Brown, then Alice Cooper. The last one would be tend to be Marilyn Manson. You can't really go any farther than that. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I, I got I, I know a ton of people who are like into into Marilyn Manson, and they're like, damn, he's washed up now. <laughs> you know, he still tries. He looks like Nicolas Cage, bro. I can't unsee that. <laughs> Alright, so what'd you pick up trombone though? I picked up the trombone when I was twelve, going on thirteen. I was in eighth grade at a place called Bret Hart uh not elementary. Bret Hart Middle School <laughs> in LA. And so that whole that whole fucking situation was pretty funny because like, you know, I have kids my that that age, right? My my oldest daughter is twelve. She's in choir now. She wants to learn the violin, and I haven't yet set up her violin lesson. But, like, for me, it was like I was completely fucking, one, I'm ner- nervous as fuck going into wins as a class because it was wins, you know. And, like, I was starting that elective late because everybody in that class had either already been in band or if they had had where it was like their first time trying like getting into it they were already had decided like oh this is gonna be my elective you know so for me entering the class maybe like a week after everybody else it was like fuck <laughs> I, I wanted to play drums and trumpet that was the only two things that i the instruments that i was like into at the time and like as soon as my first day came about my band director mr martin it was like, all right, here's a trumpet. Well, you can't play drums. There's too many drummers, always. And uh, here's a trumpet mouthpiece. Try to, you know, make a sound. I tried to make a sound. Didn't work. He's like, trombone, right away. And I was like, fuck, all right. <laughs> but at the time, funny enough, there was a girl. There's always a girl, right? There was a girl in my class because, like, I was in, like, accelerated everything else, right? So we were both in, like, accelerated math and on a roll, everything, or whatever the fuck. But I had a crush on her, like, her and, like, two other girls in the class. And, like, she was in band. So she also had to play trombone. And I was like, cool, I'll be, I'll be happy with this. But, you know, nothing ever came of it. And once I got into the instrument, I didn't give a fuck about her at all. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? It's so, like. <laughs> that passion took over. I wasn't, you know, there would be times we were in the practice room, like, having to go over parts, because that's what you do. But, it, you know, again, nothing ever came of it, so after spending time with my horn, like, I, I fell in love. I was like, never, never am I changing from this horn. And that, that became my thing like now, 22 years ago. Hmm. That's really dope, actually. Kind of similar how my buddy Danielle picked up trombone, actually. Kind of similar story. 
<laughs> were in uh, school? Yeah, something like that. I did the interview with her, and I like. She mentioned it before, and like I had the memory of a sieve, which is weird. My short-term memory sucks ass, but I can probably tell. I could probably mention like details from like three years ago. Right. You know. All right. So, what are your influences, though? Musically. Yeah, musically. What'd you pick up from him? So, like, at that time, I had only like rap as my main thing. Nothing else was like influencing me at the time. But, like, you know, I always had a, a love of oldies and the old school, and my parents always played that type of shit. So it, it, it definitely, you know, gave me a great influence. Al Green, soul music, gospel, all that. And, like, during my time in that one year of, like, learning the horn, I, 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 I fell in love with it. And then what came out of that is that um, my high school band director recruited me for going to his uh, his then new music magnet program at Washington Prep High School in LA. And so, because I, I was gonna end up going to Crenshaw, where, like, funny enough, I might have been there with Nipsey Hussle, because like, no <laughs> we're shit, the same age. Yeah, like we're the same age. At the time when I was in eighth grade, like seventh and eighth grade, before I moved from that area, I was living basically down the street from Crenshaw, yeah. Crenshaw High, and, and commuting 40 blocks to my middle school, yeah. only because, like, I liked where I was. You know, my mom didn't want to take me out. I was in a honor roll program. I could have been honor roll anywhere, but mm-hmm. it was just like, I liked where I was. So, like, with all that, like, I still was, like, planning to, like, be out of music after 8th grade. Like, I didn't really think I was going to continue, but lo and behold, Fernando Fulham stuck his foot (laughs) in the door and was like, nope, you're coming to my school. (laughs) You're going to be in my program. And that's that. And over those four years, jazz and hip-hop became my thing, like, solely. Not rock. Not ska, not reggae, nothing, nothing the fuck else would get touched by me for those next four years, basically. Hmm. It was like rap and jazz. And then I didn't really open my eyes to other genres until college. Like, for four years, I was like, if it ain't jazz and rap, I don't want to fucking listen to it. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and that's crazy, right? To think about now, how pigeonholed my thinking was. Like, it was, I was going through life with fucking blinders on, but I just didn't give a fuck about anything else. But then once I got to college, it was like, oh, all these other things are still actually pretty fucking good. And then, like, through my, like, stressful transitionary period in college, like, I actually stopped playing trombone once I got to college, right? I could have had a music scholarship off the top if I auditioned. I could have been so much better as a player if I didn't stop at the height of like, you know, man, that's like you being like a number one like draft pick, and then like, nope, I'm not doing that, <laughs> and then deciding to go back a couple of years later, and like, I really kicked myself for that that time period, that down period, because like, damn, like 17 year old Jay with a trombone leaps and ba- besides like being a terrible person at like improvisation and like having that deeper concept, like that deeper understanding of like music theory that escaped me throughout all those years of practicing. Uh-huh. Fucking that boy had all the technical skill to be a trombone shorty. And so like I kicked myself for that part. But like gaining all the other influences of I will, you know what I won't say jazz, only only jazz and hip hop because I also did like I did a lot of every genre thrown at me, right, in high school. Like, if you threw any songs at me that you wanted me to play, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Like, any group, any fucking band that, like, was interesting to me, I was there. So, like, I played banda music in a band, and, you know, with some of my homies, like, who were, who still do banda music now, and, like, like, Norteños and all the fucking, uh, the, the Spanish origin music, right? Mariachi, all that. 
Oh, yeah. Right, and then I did gospel music because like my homies who were in like a gospel band who, who wanted to have us play with the choir, and then like that turned into us doing, you know, not not like a a, a straight up musical, but like a fucking a presentation, if you will, of the history of Black people music, right? Mm-hmm. So like that really got me interested in what would I guess eventually be my major at college, which is music history, musicology. Mm-hmm. And the study of music, but like it didn't come full circle until like after you leave the shit, and you're like, damn, now I have a deeper appreciation of the shit that like I told myself I didn't want to do as a job or as a profession or of any kind, and like I tried to walk away from actively, but like all of those things still sat in my head, and like, man, I did not, I, I missed so much in those you know, two years I could have been developing myself, so. Like, I can't really just say it was jazz and, and hip-hop, but, like, my main fucking influences throughout my coming of age were jazz and hip-hop. And then through those things, like, because of the abilities that I had, everybody kind of plucked me to do other things. So, like, I ended up playing in a buddy of mine's church, and, like, I ended up playing, you know, like, kind of consistently, even as just the one horn player, which is, looking back, very fucking awkward for me because like I, I was a very timid and shy kid outside of like playing music that I knew I could play or that I spent hours putting in you know time learning so like anything kind of thrown at me like which would happen at the church all the time was like a struggle <laughs> so like building that 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 I mean but that like the, the beautiful thing about being like being young is that you have no fear and so like if I was gonna be wrong, I'd be loud and wrong, and I'd give a fuck, and that was it, you know. You see that? Yeah, like real shit, <laughs> you know. So like throughout all of that, like I would say, like yeah, again, my my biggest influences in jazz and hip hop, like I I gained a lot of knowledge through doing rather than being influenced by it, like like enjoying it. Like before, it, 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 I was exposed to it, because like I'm I'm a Catholic kid. I was raised Catholic, so going to a buddy's Christian church and doing all fucking, you know, Kirk Franklin or like TD Jakes arrangements and shit like every week, you know, you start to you build those chops and you're like, well, I guess I do gospel music even though I don't pray like these other motherfuckers. But okay. Yeah, I gotta tell you, one thing I really I feel is missing in R and B now is the uh, singers that grew up in church. I feel like that's everywhere. <laughs> like you not know, necessarily that that like they 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 stay there, but like whoever they're working with, like their musical directors, it's always the people, not necessarily the person in front. Like even like I, I say that because like a few, like, I don't know, it's been a month now. A month ago, I worked with a, a, a R&B singer. She's amazing. I don't know if you have, have heard of her. Her name is uh, Victoria Monet. She writes with like Ariana Grande, and like she has her own album out called Jaguar, and she you know does shit like that all all day, right? And so it's it's clear that like if not exactly her, but like her musical director, her 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 background singers, whoever, they're super church 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 goers like they have those chops you know i mean the gospel chops like we all talk about like they got them shits the gospel runs the fucking gospel drummer the gospel keyboard player with the fucking seventh and ninths and the elevenths and the flat seconds and shit all day you know all day those cats and like it's you know what's kind of funny is like i grew up playing with those cats i loved how talented they are but, like, if you are not in the church, you kind of get ostracized, like, because you're not playing with those guys every Sunday. Those people are playing in three different churches, making bank for three different churches, you know, hustling, and then they all give each other the same gigs. And then once somebody they don't have in there is not in there, then they ask somebody from the outlier groups to come into the church and do a gig. And so, like, I was always in those outlier groups, which kind of felt you know, kept me from gaining as much as those people. And, like, I know there's a lot of the, the front singers that aren't, like, gospel-based, 
but definitely like their crew, their their musical directors are totally like that. One of my buddies like got to play in Kanye's Sunday Service last year, like going leading up to like Coachella and everything, and like you know that shit really tripped me out. Like thinking about um, just the fact that like the musical directors and I can put that all that all all that shit together. Picks all all the guys, all the you know the tasty cats. You know what I'm saying? Post that shit together, and that dude's super churchy. Fill the keys. And it's just like, damn, like, it, it really, it, you know what I mean? Saying, like, looking looking from the outside in, even for, uh, like, my homie who's totally not religious, right? It's like, if you don't buy into that whole shit, you're going to get pushed out eventually. And they pushed him out, too, you know? He's the fucking man. Like, he's the be- he's he's one of the reasons why I still play music t- today, because, like, that that saxophone player, my buddy Corey, is like the man. He went to my high school, went to my college. You know, what I mean, gay has given me opportunity after opportunity to play in places, and like still is flabbergasted when I be like, "Yo, you're still one of the reasons why I play." You better fucking see it. But it's like, yeah, man, like, if you don't get it. It's it's a reason why cause I was gonna give this shit up <laughs> at the time when I wasn't playing. You gave me a band to play in, and I fucking. Ran with it. Kind of like how in Nashville they had a session mafia. Something would you say? Would you say something like that? Yeah, basically. Yeah, gotta love it, huh? All right. So of course I know you from Fishbone, and you know you're the Dragon, and also Electric Gremlin. What other bands were you in before that? So before I joined Fishbone, I was in a band called The Wild Bunch, and The Wild Bunch used to be. It's, it's so crazy that the similarities are there between, you know, the two groups. So the Wild Bunch was originally made up of 16 members from Mm -hmm. Washington High, my high school, before, like, I got there, before I even stepped foot on the campus. They had already been a band, right? Graduated. I got got to high school in 99. They graduated from high school in, like, 97, 98, I think. And... um, all of the members, you know what I mean, were in the high school marching band, you know what I mean, four background dancers, four background singers, four lead singers, four horns, <laughs> rhythm section, 16 people. Now, once they got, you know, trimmed, they, they trimmed down the fat, it was 12 people when they got signed to Sony, right? And so, in 2003, 2004, they were signed to Sony Urban, right? And they went on tour, the Sprite Liquid Mix Tour with NERD and Pharrell and Slightly Stupid and, like, all those cats. But I, I, at that time, I had graduated high school, got to college and at UCLA and was like, no, I'm not playing. Like, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Four years of marching, I'm done. Four years of every band, I'm done. Just burnt. And during that year and a half of not playing, basically, um... Well, I'll say maybe a year and a half, closer to two. Um, I knew who they were, you know what I mean? I knew what that band was. I knew what music they made. And they were like, imagine if the Roots had horns, you know what I mean, a whole horn section and like, you know what I mean, like, or Black Eyed Peas, basically. So like, that type of vibe, right? All black, sign the Sony. Sony doesn't do what they need to do because they don't know how to fucking promote an all-black band. Don't they all? <laughs> As usual. And, and then they get shelved, right? So that band gets shelved. They're still, you know what I mean, kicking ass on the tour scale, but, like, because they're not getting the promo from the, from the label, right? They're shelved. They leave Sony. They get picked up by Surf Dog out of San Diego, who now has the Sublime catalog, right? And fucking... So then, at the time when I joined that band, the Wild Bunch, my buddy Corey, who I, who I, I mentioned, was the sax player. He's, he's always been the sax player of that band. And so he invited me once, you know, a couple of horn players left to join the band. Because, like, I have had always wanted to fucking do, like, when you're in high school and you see a band that, like, came from where you came from doing kicking ass, like, they, you know what I mean? Like, you remember how you see those videos of Fishbone and Bad Brains when they were in their teens. Yeah. Fucking going off. 
Oh yeah. That that was Wild Bunch for me. Wild Bunch was my I go to school at the same at the same place these motherfuckers went to school. They're only a few years older than me. They still come back to the high school to show that you can fucking play music after high school. And so like I was inspired. I wanted to fucking be in that band. And so like at it at whenever that opportunity came, I was of course going to say yes. So that opportunity came. Corey gave me that opportunity. I was like, "Fuck yes, I'm gonna do it." I ha- I was rusty at the time, so like I spent a good amount of time trying to get my chops back up to playing speed. It took me a while, and and my horn wasn't really up to snuff at the time, but I I, I made it made it happen somehow. They took me on my first fucking tour, of like you know, out of just my first tour at all. Like that was the only I had twenty twenty one. You know what I mean? Like, that was my first tour. <laughs> 2006 with fucking Slightly Stupid going to, uh, like, half of their tour. Not not all of their state tours, but, like, the West Coast, basically. And uh, I, I was, because of that, like, that was the band for me. Like, there wasn't another, like, real band. Everything else was all, like, you know, side, side project shit, whatever I got hired to do or, you know, to, you know, hire the gun to pour out, but, like, I was in that band, you know, and, like, the thing that, like, kind of gets me now about it, because I, I still play with those guys, they're still my buddies, like, my day one homies, you know what I'm saying, like, I love those guys to death, you know, I still see them, I still do projects, with the horn players, Corey and Janae, still hook me up with gigs and work, and we work together, and we work great together. But keeping 12 motherfuckers together is tough. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, damn. Even keeping seven niggas together in Fishbone was tough. But 12? You know? Yes. I've heard Shit. stories. In fact, the first interview, <laughs> the first official interview was actually with the lost member of Fishbone. Oh. In fact, this dude, even Angela refused to talk about. Are you talking about... Uh, you're not talking about Megatron, or are you talking about uh, Kendall? No, 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 no. I told this other dude named Paolo Roy Henderson. He oh, was, okay. He was actually in Fish. Yeah, you. He was. He's Marlon Henderson's son. Marlon is like the session ace, right? Um, oh, okay. So it's like Paolo. He was in. He was in Fishbone for a second, right? In fact, he was in there with Spacey T for a quick second, and there was an incident or something like that. Either way, it wasn't pretty. Like, if you thought it was bad how, you know, Angelo and uh, Dirty Walt kind of stopped talking. Like, he didn't do the whole, like, mock funeral thing. Paolo didn't even get the mock funeral. He just, like, he just acknowledged him. Exactly. So, it was pretty ugly. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are are rather salty at at the bone. And I... Cruz, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, not great business acumen from my, from my homies, from my guys, like, I love them to death, but, like, bro, I wasn't getting paid enough, like, they aren't, I don't think they're getting paid enough for what they deserve, too, and, like, I hope now that, they, that, that they're getting clo- even just closer to that, I don't think they are getting what they deserve, but hopefully there's, it's closer to what they deserve. You know, but it were it, it worked out the way I think it was kind of supposed to work out, right? Like, yeah. So like that's kind of how I, I see see things with not only Fishbone but like the Wild Bunch as well. Cause like with the Wild Bunch, I I it, it wasn't like ah oh, nigga you're you're you gotta get out the band. Like it was like well every time y'all have a gig, I'm I'm like busy. I can't be at these gigs y'all keep coming up with and like. At the time when I got the fishbone opportunity, it was like, "Hey, dog, <laughs> look, <laughs> look, we haven't as a band left the the city in at that point like years, a couple of years, right?" And I was like, "This band, we're about to. I'm going on tour, bro. Like, I can't be, I can't be here all the time, missing other people's gigs." So that came that came to an end, you know. It's it's like one thing that I, I really wish I did more of during that time period, basically twenty to thirty, would have been playing more with other groups. 
and do exploring other avenues that I, I hadn't explored until basically the end of my reign in fishbowl. Like, I, you know, I was just like thinking about that, talking about that with somebody. I think one of my roommates. Um, it's just like, damn, dude, that, that the I knew my time was ending in the group, but one thing I didn't know was when it was going to end. And I didn't really expect it to go down the way it went down, you know, because, like, at the time, my last gig uh, in L.A. was at the Roxy, which we, you know, they usually have, like, an annual Roxy gig. And I was playing in, a, like, a, a Earth, Wind & Fire cover band with yeah, Alan Kay. I was just about to ask about that. And we had just gotten back, like, a week before that from like Russia or yeah. two weeks or whatever and like the sax player Ed who had given me like the opportunity to be in the band was you know had some very fair criticisms of me and my playing ability and just the fact that I I, I do so much wear so many different hats and I'm just not a trombone player like that's not, that's not what the fuck I do solely mm-hmm so like at that gig he came to that gig and like i had to give him a decision about whether i was going to continue or not and like the first gig of that next year 2018 was in direct conflict with a fishbone gig that i had on my calendar (laughs) so i was just like well i mean unless you are willing to work with me and let me miss that gig i can't (laughs) you know continue on with this band even though i really want to and like I love the music, I respect all that, I respect all the people, et cetera, et cetera. And then like literally two weeks later, <laughs> Norm was like, "Hey, fuck!" <laughs> and I was like, "So I hit up, of course, I call Ed back because this is January before everything was getting you know handled out for the February gig. But since two weeks had already passed, he had already picked a whole other trombone player to replace me." You know, it was my gig to lose, and I lost it. So, like, that type of thing is something that, like, I kind of kick myself for because, like, in 2015 is when I joined Year of the Dragon, and I only did that because the previous lead singer, Rod, was like, man, I really think you would be the perfect fit for this band. And, like, I loved Year of the Dragon. It was just I didn't necessarily think that how I sound would have worked for that band. I didn't see it. So, you know, auditioning and working into into that space really made me feel a little more confident and, and the whole band of being supportive of me and, and like my just ability to work and put in the work to learn Rod's parts, come up with my own shit and work with Dirty Wall, like really made me happy. But once like I was getting booted out of Fishbone and then still in the band is like, that's kind of tough. <laughs> it's kind of tough because like, you know, I mean, we we came out with a, a the Take Control album last year, and then we have that EP that we did, Rise of the Dragon, from 2015 or 2016, as well. And over the like the last five years, I've basically just been creating, in in every kind of project I can, right? For Electric Grimma, got a whole album, which is basically two EPs worth of shit that is yet to be released. I'm waiting on artwork. <laughs> I did a whole album and an EP for Year of the Dragon. I lost count of how many fucking songs I recorded for Trulio, and, like, I don't even remember some of the ones that I recorded, you know? Like, we just had a song, if you want, the Sly Stone, If You Want Me to Stay cover come out. I forgot I recorded the corn parts for that. Because, <laughs> like, there are so many different versions of Trulio shit. Yes. Like a Trulio song from 20 years ago that is a recording that only Norwood has. Then there's like, we re recorded five times in different places, and I'm just like, I don't know which recording you used or whatever fucking who's on the song. Like, I don't know. <laughs> kind of like Funkadelic a little bit. Exactly like that shit. I'm like, okay, if, you, if other people tell me I'm on that track, I'm like, cool, great. I don't remember when, I don't remember when we did half of that shit. You know what I mean? And on, t- on top of that, before I was out of Fishbowl, I was creating there. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
all of the time I was like, well, I, I want us to make shit just like they want to make shit, and nothing ever came out of it. So, I mean, I'm happy that they're they're making shit now and then working with Fat Mike and getting the success that they they should have been getting. It's just like, damn, to give your all to other projects, I'm burnt the fuck out now. So since COVID hit, I've been like dialing back my creative processes, you know, giving things away. Because I also I also produce, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm getting more into like uh, kind of like trap and like just having tracks, like produced tracks to give to people, you know, or shop around basically, and, like, because as much as I love performing, I just want to do it less so I enjoy it more, and, like, I've, I've gotten tired of having to perform in the way that I have to survive, because, like, when I was a fishbowl, you know what I mean, like, I wasn't doing that shit to survive, I was doing that shit because it was amazing to do, and, like, I wished that, I wish now that in Wild Bunch of Fishbone that when I had those opportunities, I, I made more of them, you know, like, that's one thing I would definitely tell myself looking back is like, man, when you had less kids, <laughs> when you had the time to do all the things in the world that you set your mind to do, you, as in myself, could have been so much more of a musician. So like now, I feel downtrodden, right? I feel like man, I'm never going to get to that level where I could have been. And so I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> and that's where I'm at right now. Like, I am honestly, like, a bit depressed, you know, in terms of, like, I had already been on that road before COVID because of as much as, like, I love being able to perform and being able to work through music, I fucking can't stand playing in a cover band that doesn't take shit the source material to the utmost fullest. You know what I'm saying? And so like I am in a I have been working with a band that like kind of I, I don't think lip singing is so wrong. It's just like when you are a an accomplished musician and you know you can do shit and like as a band, we could do more to be better musicians, I guess, like as a whole, rather than individually working on our parts. And that band doesn't practice. So it's just like, this is lame. Yeah, like they don't, <laughs> don't take it seriously. Like they don't take that seriously. It's a job. And it's like, all right, well, if it's a job, like I'm still going to take it seriously for me, but like I'm, I'm going to give less of a fuck about the rest of them. And so, like, I got to tell this, you know, anecdote about a couple of the guys, you know, I won't use names, but like on one particular instance, like it's a whole different thing. Like when Angelo is fucked up versus somebody who is not Angelo, who you are working with in a cover band, getting fucked up, not necessarily acting like Angelo, but getting that treatment, right? We wouldn't like, even Angela would get left the fuck behind, right? And have to deal with shit on his own. Because it's happened to all of us. I've been oil spotted. He's been oil spotted. I've seen John. I think John Stewart's been oil spotted. Dre, you know, numerous people. Never like, I would say, Norwood or fucking Fish or, you know, something like that. But like, Angelo for sure. It's like, oh, okay, well, he didn't make the bus call, then he, that's on him. But, like, if a motherfucker who is not that, you're not the lead singer, you are part of the role players like everybody the fuck else, gets trashed, like drunk trashed, and we have to carry that motherfucker into the airport? Bro, never a fucking again do I ever want to be in that position where a motherfucker who is not the star, the man, or even that dedicated to the musical craft, you know what I mean? Outside of that, that guy is dedicated to his musical craft. But it's like, bro, you can't be getting, it's still a professional, like, we're still professionals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have never been that fucked up in any, in any sphere, you know, outside of Fishbowl, 
where people, you know what I mean, are expected to, like, take care of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I tried to limit the amount of times I did that shit because it's like, dude, you don't want to make that be your MO. Like, oh, we always got to pick up this drunk motherfucker. But, like, the one or two times I actually was so shit-faced drunk that a motherfucker had to pick me up, I was still in my 20s. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're too old for this. I, I, I definitely am now, you know what I mean? And, like, I learned very quickly to, to, to mature more, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, like just thinking, thinking back about it, it's like, man, why I wish I had matured in musically in, in those same ways then because, like, I know I could have made more out of my time in the band, and I feel really shitty that I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the collaborations I wanted to make happen, like, that I started to make traction on that I couldn't finish up on, you know what I mean? Like, when I had those guys available, like, fucking Rocky George, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just checked on him not too long ago, too. But, like, just the fact that he was easily accessible at that time. We could have created fucking better... I'm going to say this. We could have created better better Fishbone albums, right? Better Fishbone EPs if we had the the collaborative energy that they have now. Yeah. From what I'm kind of seeing, basically, they were just kind of like buying time until Christopher Dow mm. came back. <laughs> what I'm seeing, because even in the movie, they even said... We discovered a pop writer. I think he said, so I think it was Angela said, so what are we going to do now? They were just kind of buying time, like just kind of like figure, okay, so what do we do now? Let's see. Uh, the virtuoso guitar player is gone now. Um, Christopher Gordon Dowd's gone. So what do we do? Uh, how do we keep them plates spinning? I always thought it was kind of funny. Like, okay, on the album take control, right? Okay. No one rods a bit on the religious side, right? There's a lyric and take control. Something about you being an atheist, right? I always thought that was a weird, like, 180. <laughs> it's almost like... It's almost like... It's almost like the Joker ripping Batman's head off and just putting his skin on the mask or some shit like that. It's like, I'm right. fucking Batman, man, now, bitches. Because, like, the thing, the thing about You're the Dragon that kind of gets me is that part, right? I was raised Catholic, but, like, I'm super not religious. Like, I don't give a fuck about organized religion at all. Like, I'm not going to hate on nobody's, you know, religious beliefs. It's just that, like, my personal experience has been kind of shitty. Like, dog, I spent years playing in, in Christian churches, not getting paid for it or not getting paid enough for it. And then, like, getting dipped out of money, that makes me not want to, that, that, that makes me, one, not respect the people who are or, or running the religion as they are shysty motherfuckers. Exactly. So, Reverend Grifter, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? And then like when Rod hit me like, yo, dude, you should you should join the Year of the Dragon. And like I, I started going over a lot of a lot of the lyrics. I, I, that's when I was like, uh, I feel weird singing these parts. Like the 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 foremost song, right? For Year of the Dragon is Year of the Dragon, the title title song to their first album from when Spacey T was in the band. Yeah, yeah. Right. This, the lyric goes for the second verse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I went out like a bitch smoking cocaine, and I'm like, I've never smoked cocaine in my life, bro. <laughs> no, that was Rod's story. He told me that. Right. And that's Rod's story, and it's just like I respect singing it and doing stuff that is representative of the history of the band but it's like um this ain't my this ain't my verse (laughs) you know what i mean like people are going to be like is that you talking about crack (laughs) like that's what the lyric is written but that's not how that the guy wrote that lyric (laughs) you know what i'm saying and it's like you know in the same vein it's like i get that like the fishbowl shit wasn't shit that I wrote, you know. But it's like these are words that are, are represented by you know somebody that like really fucks with us. So it's just like, all right, I I get that, but damn, 
if I'm given the opportunity, I'm definitely not going to be. I'm going to be like, hey, can I change this? <laughs> exactly. I want to say, like, some original lyrics that better represent me. So part of the drive of us making those last two records was about that. So, like, I had music that represented what year the dragon was in its present form. And so I was all but energetic to do that so, like, we could have a whole ass set of just shit that is original for me you know and classics thrown in but like original me was the was the 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 fucking thought process behind that but now it's like we didn't even get to really like properly promote that album because like they went on tour right after So I'm wondering this. Okay, since you're in the vocal slot right now, but you play trombone. Okay, what do you say trombone helped you become a better singer? Totally. <laughs> it, it still helps me be a better singer to this day. Because, like, my... I took, like, three years of high school theory, then I took, like, you know, college theory, because you have to do that shit for musicology. And sight singing, uh, ear training... And all that shit was some of my hardest things to deal with. Because, like, I, I, I have found that, like, my relative pitch is, is often just slightly off, right? Like a half step, let's say. You know, either half step or, like, maybe even, like, a false tone off from the note. Like, if, if you were like, all right, play this back, <laughs> and you did Mary Had a Little Lamb, I'd probably get, like, half like flat some part sharp some part you know what i mean and then it'd be consistently like up and down throughout the throughout the whole shit but like playing the trombone gives you that 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 shit and then like singing the shit outside of that has helped me be a a, a better have re- better relative pitch on the trombone too you know that makes sense, you know, because I noticed a, something about, you know, people that play brass or, you know, I was like, okay, what are clarinet players considered? It's it's easy. They're woodwinds. But woodwinds. Easiest... They have a vocal ability. I noticed yeah. that. Because, you, you know, you have that your, your natural tone arrangement, like just like in The Music Man, right, when the con artist dude is fucking totally getting the motherfuckers in the like fucking around with the city council and he's all like hey you guys all sound great together you should be in a barbershop quartet and it's like well yeah everybody has that natural fucking uh key that they speak in i figured out that mine is in the key of g and i was just like all right i speak or sing naturally in the key of g so like a lot of the shit that i write is either in g or d because like that's where it's easiest and comfortable most comfortable for me to make a make a song but, like, I wouldn't have known that shit in high school because that's something that I gained through trial and error and a lot of fuck-ups and a lot of fucking, you know, figuring out what what that means for me, you know? I didn't know it existed until, like, right now. Like, seriously, I have, like, the vocal range of, I have the vocal range of a farting bullfrog. You know? <laughs> like, my voice outside of jazz or country is pretty fucking useless. Unless I'm trying to do an impression of Eddie Vedder. You know, <laughs> you know. So, all right. So, wait. You're going to production, right? So, the engineer. I do. I use Logic because, like, in my time in Wild Bunch, they had their own studio space that I spent so much time gaining knowledge of. Right? Because, like, I, you know, at the time I was 20, still in college, but going to learn at that studio was immensely useful for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had they been doing shit in Pro Tools there, I probably would have learned Pro Tools too. But, like, I've tried. <laughs> I've put my best effort forward into learning that shit, tried to set up my Mac for it, no, 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 to no avail. Same shit with, with uh, Ableton. I just couldn't get into that DAW, bro. It was just like, nope. I'm gonna stick with logic. I like my shit. I like I like what I like. 
and like you know if somebody is trying to hire me to do some shit and they're like yeah well we only hire you if you do pro tools i guess i won't be doing it all right would you say that um you know having like a bit of an engineering background you know major or minor is a good skill to have for musicians to have or it's kind of optional? necessary <laughs> it ain't optional no more you need to you need to know if if you don't know somebody else you're gonna have to pay but you don't really need to pay to do your shit for you when you could set most of the shit up yourself and it's like if you're not learning like for any up-and-coming musician if you're not learning the production side of the shit you're you're allowing yourself to be um shortchanged in the long run like your your autonomy is as a musician is the most most important for that right and like i when before i wanted to start playing again i wanted to be an engineer i wanted to sit in the studio all the fucking day doing just that like oh okay here record that again all right well record that again all right let me move this around and fly that around and da 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 da, da for hours on end and not leave the studio and you know after kind of experiencing that for yourself for several years, I burnt myself out, <laughs> you know? But, like, at the time when I was 20, it was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, sit me in this studio. I will sit in this this studio all weekend and fuck around with sounds and not, not come out until I'm happy with, with whatever I'm doing. You know? So what's the, what was the recording process like for Year of the Dragon and Fishbone? Was it the same or did it differ? Oh, they totally differ. So, Fishbone recording processes were like, in my time, not as, definitely not, not as like, or collaborative at all, really. Like, the two EPs that I got to work on, Crazy Blue and Intrinsically Intertwined, basically were written before um, I actually got to add anything to them. So, like, I was brought in to Crazy Glue just to put horn parts on and gang vocals at the end. I was brought in to fucking intrinsically intertwine to do the same shit, like, at the end. You know what I'm saying? Or when it was time to do my parts. I, I, do, I do take great pleasure in the fact that, like, I was granted a, a whole trombone solo on a, a fishbone song. And to be able to come up with horn parts that, like, actually I wrote, you know what I mean, to be utilized in stuff. So that part was great. But I would have loved to have been able to work from the concept of things like I got to with Year of the Dragon. Now, so Year of the Dragon is much more collaborative. So, like, with Fishbone, it was like, all right, these songs are done. You need to come in and put trombone on these songs on this day and if you can't make that day you're not gonna be on the album basically year of the dragon is like jay <laughs> and walt sitting down each time that uh, kareem t-bone and mark finalize the structure of the instrumental and so we'll talk concepts first throw verses back at each other like demo wise and then you know we'll pretty much lay scratch vocals in the studio that we've been working in over the last five years in San Pedro. Uh, a Fuller Sound down in San Pedro with my buddy Adam Fuller, who's also like, you know, electric gremlin. And uh, then once that shit's all dialed in, then the, the, the rest of the band comes in, does their parts, and then we redub all the vocals. Then whichever way it's going to be finalized. Um, You'll probably make edits to the lyrics during that time too, before they're finalized, and then uh, that's that's a year of the dragon song uh, record. I've always found it kind of fascinating though that even though you had a fishbowl, you're still utilizing projects such as Year of the Dragon and True Disgracious, though. You know, I mean, like, they don't have bad blood with me, so like that part is great. And like, I before before I left the group, I definitely established those side projects and it's like bands I was well vested in even when I was on top and so like I'm happy to be brought back into those spaces like you know I got to play with Trulio not too long ago uh, Norwood called me of course 
before that is just, I don't know, it's kind of, it's real bittersweet now. So it's like, it's, it's still very fresh in my mind. <laughs> I know, it's like, let it heal first is almost like, I can't you know? let the, I'm trying to protect this wound, I can't let the germs and air hit it yet. <laughs> you know, and I'm totally not trying to like, feel like, make it seem like I can't do a goddamn thing without them. So it's just like, well, you know what I mean? I want to kind of make it out on my own, you know what I'm saying? I want to be able to, for the first time ever, really create something that, like, I have a voice in. And, like, that part is, is I'm grateful for that freedom. You know what I mean? If you wasn't going to let me do that with you and create with you, then it's, like, the fact that you set me free because, like, I wasn't ever going to leave that bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was not going to be like, all right, I got to walk away. I'm not getting enough money. Or I got to I gotta walk away. This isn't enough collaborative, you know, songwriting for me. I'd have been smiling ear to ear riding the fishbone tour bus until the motherfucking wheels fell off. And I was no, you know, something happened. You're a gamer, right? All right, maybe you can give me a clue on this, but this is one, you know, this is one riff that a lot of trombone players write, and he says it's from Final Fantasy. <laughs> you talking about the victory music? Yes. See, it's fun. It's super funny because like I actually got to work on Final Fantasy Dissidia, which is for PSP, and I was a game tester, so I worked for Square Enix. I actually worked on a few few titles as a game tester. So I worked on Guitar Hero Van Halen, which is pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, Guitar Hero Monsters of Rock. Um, another Guitar Hero title, like, as a, uh, you know, assistant tester. I'm not really, you know, dedicated to that one project. But, like, that, and then, like, you know, some sports titles and shit. So, like, I got testing credit for those, those things. Like, Bioshock, I got, you know... Testing credit for fucking Guitar Hero and all that. But, like, I've been actually trying to get back into that as a career for quite some time. It's just, you know, once you get out, it's like they don't really like to bring you back. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, I loved my time doing that. I'm actually really still trying to get back into it. that as a profession, it's been such a fucking tough challenge to get back into. But you know, I'm still dedicated. Uh, funny enough, like when when I went on my first like out of the country show, it was with Fishbone. Right? We went to Canada and then to Australia in the same year, and I got a phone call. <laughs> from <laughs> Naughty Dog, the developers who make Uncharted, the Uncharted series. And Crash Bandicoot, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Until they sold that property off to Sony. Fuck. But okay. I, I worked with, uh, I, I interviewed there before I got the job, I mean, before, like, I, I started playing basically full-time football. And um, I had to tell them no because they called me when I was in Australia with Fishbowl and, and, and Trombone Shorty, and I was like, motherfuckers, you waited a whole month <laughs> to, give, to give me the higher offer? And it's like, well, I'm out of town. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. I mean, no, not even out of town. I'm out of the country. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, God damn, what an inopportune time to call somebody. Do you think having a Twitch channel might help a little bit trying to like you know you know get attention oh i totally uh have a uh, a twitch channel already yeah that's what i was talking about like if you build that following up it might actually get the attention of some of these publishers oh i hope so because like my when i started the twitch channel i was still a fish mom i was broadcasting some of like i, I think i broadcasted like maybe one fishbone show on my twitch you know what i mean and i was like dude, we should be doing this, <laughs> you know, back then. And, like, I just recently made made it to affiliate, so now I can have subs and everything. 
But like, just imagining how they were doing all that Facebook Live shit, like, you know what I mean, and not capitalizing on it monetarily was a waste. Yeah. <laughs> still kind of, you know what I mean? And it still kind of is. And I kind of like hate Silverback for that part for not capitalizing on like, yo, you should be live streaming every show for money. <laughs> like, <laughs> period. You know? That's period. the wave of the future, I'm gonna tell you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was no reason why when I was in Fishbone or even now that they weren't monetizing live stream access to each and every one of those shows. And like, yeah. I use that as a springboard to definitely like increase my follower count while I was in Fishbone. And like, I was, one of my ideas was definitely like, oh, dude, we need to be streaming our practices, streaming jams, whatever, 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 taking donations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, shit. You know? And like, nothing really came of it, so I said, fuck it. And, and <laughs> to, Started using my my Twitch channel just for me, so now like it's, I'm I, I'm actually on there every day. Like I was on there earlier. I just got my new PC and I'm trying to set up to you know have a, a better situation for it because uh, <laughs> the uh, how do you say uh, the Mac is not possible <laughs> to really do shit. You know, that's about the last question, but it was kind of funny because I started thinking about other stuff too. Because, you know, actually, we have another mutual friend, you know, right? I think so. Yeah, you know, Deeker out of Detroit, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of my best buds. She actually did me a solid back in 2015. That's what's up. But she mentioned basically, she, you know, like a really, like one of your favorite genres actually funk, right? Oh, my, that is my favorite genre of all time. You know what I mean? After. So, like, I said that, like, in high school, I was all about jazz and, and you know, hip-hop. But, like, once I got out of that, you know, narrow-minded thinking, then I started exploring everything, right? But, you know, as a, as a youth, just my favorite trombone player was always Fred Wesley, even more so than... J.J. Johnson, who's the man, he's, he's thought to be, like, at least in the jazz world, the pinnacle of jazz trombonists. And, like, one of the things that really broke my heart was, like, my senior year of high school, he killed himself. I mean, he committed suicide. I had great mentors musically, like George George Bohannon, a, a fucking accomplished jazz trombonist and professor at UCLA. I used to want his job, you know what I'm saying? there's like other amazing trombonists who came out of my high school who came before me who like you know local legends and like Kamasi Washington's trombone player Ryan Porter he went to my high school he, he's somebody I filled in with filled in for you know what I mean because such just such a, a small black trombone player community like we you know kind of stick together and try to throw each other gigs and shit even though I'm not in the, the gospel scene, if I was in the gospel scene, then I'd probably have a lot more gigs, like my homie Chris, who plays trombone for Beyonce, and you know, like, shit like that. It's just that, like, funk, funk was my shit, and then I got to discover where that all came from. <laughs> Through, like, um, my own experiments in music and it's sad that like musicology doesn't go as far as you would like it to go into modern music because like unless you're unless you are actively doing and telling those stories yourself those stories don't get told and like in the academic part they stopped at basically dude my last fucking test, they stopped at Donna Summer in the 1970s, in the counterculture of that time period, and like there's a whole 50 more fucking years. Yes, I'd say there's a few more things that happen after that. <laughs> it's like, what do, like, how can you 
like I get that that's not maybe not the, the undergrad scope of things, but it's like if you would have like if, if any one of those professors would have encouraged me to keep keep going, I would have like probably tried to go back to school a lot sooner because I tried to apply and get my master's for that, but you know the gatekeepers of the world figure that, that you know oh you weren't the great the greatest undergraduate student, so I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna give you the best endorsement. It's like, oh, all right, then fuck you, guy. All right. Well, that being said, I was thinking like, okay, I was wondering since I was thinking, well, okay, you know, like Bruno Marvel, well, at least technically Mark Ronson, actually, and I guess you could say Trauma was Shorty because they definitely brought like you know New Orleans jazz and a little bit of a New Orleans funk thing. You think they could ever be like a mainstream revival or? attention to funk again yes uh, i think that they've helped um i do feel like um there are other voices that have, have like done maybe more uh for actual funk but like in terms of the mainstream shit they fucking for at least that, that song came out what, over almost a decade ago now and like, damn, you're right. Those motherfuckers wrote that shit. I, I just remember that, like, when that they were working on that album, and I saw all those pictures come out, and then that song hit. I was like, fuck. You know, like for anybody who really like is into funk and like hardcore shit, you're like, oh, that's watered down, whatever. That's like nothing that hasn't been done before. But it's just the fact that they did it recently, and they are popular, and like. To me, it's beautiful that, like, there are people who still appreciate it. And, like, even if it's, you know, super vanilla or whatever, it's still, like, being put out there. And that might lead to the Anderson packs of the world, right? Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, man, I love I love this shit. You me know too. what I'm saying? Like, I, lo- punk I, love how, I love how uh, Childish Gambino incorporated that shit into his Redbone track. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I love... How like uh who's the other one? Kendrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like oh man. It's like so when when like the the more popular I mean, you know, pop I mean, pop funk is like still a thing because it still is. It's kind of like well at least it's there, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like there will be there will always be a, a deeper appreciation for certain musicians who go further than the surface level of it. All right. So is there anything else you want us to check out, though? I definitely want you guys to check out my Twitch, twitch.tv slash LA underscore trombonist. Please check out, you know, Electric Gremlin music when it comes out. Follow us on social media, Electric Gremlin Band uh, at Instagram, uh, uh you're the dragon on all music platforms and uh new trulio disgrace singles just came out so check those out too anywhere music is found nice all right thank you great chat thank you brother no problem all right you stay up shoot me a text and like let me know when some more jimmy hates techno comes out uh definitely shall i definitely will all right, be All easy, right. John. You get some rest. You too. All right, peace. That was Jerry Mott Jr. Check out Take Control by Year of the Dragon. Also, be on the lookout for Electric Gremlin. And check out his Twitch channel at twitch.tv, LA Trombonus. That's LA underscore Trombonus.